helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. This is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And today I have another interesting show lined up for you. Today's show is titled, Six Reasons You Are Unhappy in a Good Marriage. One of the things that I see frequently as a psychotherapist is clients who come and report the following. Michael, my friend's all tell me how lucky I am to have such a wonderful spouse. And yes, they are right. He checked all the boxes of what I would want in a partner. He has a strong faith. He's, he's a wonderful father. He has a kind heart towards me and others. Everyone loves him. But I am just not happy in the marriage. After about one or two sessions with such clients, it becomes apparent that the relationship is suffering from one or more of the following six reasons why people are unhappy in good marriages. I'm using the term good marriages to mean that there are none of the obvious things such as infidelity or abuse or control or addiction that we would find in troubled marriages. So these marriages on the surface looks very good. As I said in the opening, friends are envious of this relationship, but a partner within the union is just not happy. Usually these couples have tried a lot of other common advice such as going on date nights and starting couples Bible study, but they still feel this feeling of unhappiness. And in many cases, it is a feeling that they have had for many years. It is not surprising that these types of solutions do not work. I'm talking about the solutions like the date night. It's not surprising that they do not work because unhappiness cannot be achieved until help is sought to resolve the following six issues or any of the following six issues that is negatively impacting the relationship. I don't have a key passage, Bible passage today that I'm going to use to launch this topic. But what I'm going to be doing as I go through this show is to refer to a series of Bible passage under each point to capture or to illustrate the point that I am making. And I will also be drawing on psychological research and psychological findings to support the points that I will be I will be speaking about today. So six points, six reasons why you are unhappy in a good marriage. The first of the six reasons that I find from my clinical practice is that people are unhappy in good marriages because there is a secret agenda that is in operation. So the first point is there is a secret agenda. So this secret agenda can be in the form of opposing goals, where the two partners in the relationship are not pulling in the same direction. And in these marriages that are good marriages, there is usually not 
a lot of conflict as a result of this opposing goal. What is happening is that on the surface, things look calm, but there is a conflict that is brewing in the background. It's an unspoken conflict in many cases, or in some cases it is spoken, but it is not spoken in a way that brings about a resolution. And so it casts a shadow of unhappiness over the relationship. That is the secret agenda, cast a shadow of unhappiness. So the partners within the relationship end up feeling disconnected from each other. And there's an example of this in Scripture. It's the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. And in that story, if you read Genesis 25 and onwards, Genesis chapter 25 and onwards, you will see that Rebekah had a secret agenda that was different than the obvious societal agenda that played out in most families in that culture. You see, when Rebecca was pregnant with twins, Esau and Jacob, the Lord appeared to her and the Lord told her in a vision that there were two nations in her womb and that these two people will be separate from one another, and that the older will serve the younger. That's in Genesis 25, verse 21 to 23. That is totally counterculture. In those days, the oldest brother would be the leader, the twin, even if they were twins, the one that is born first, just by virtue of being born a few minutes before the other brother would be, would get the blessings of the father, would get the inheritance of the family, and would have a position of leadership in the family. So, Rebecca had this vision from God, had this this revelation from God that in her family, things were going to run counterculture. Counter the older would serve the younger. And so let's fast forward to the end of end of Isaac's life, the end of her husband's life, where Isaac is now about to do what is cultural. He's passing the blessing on. And apparently, he did not get the memo from God that said Esau would serve the younger brother, Jacob. So he's pronouncing this blessing. And because Rebecca had this word from God that apparently she did not tell her husband Isaac about, she devised a plan, a plan to trick Isaac into thinking that he was blessing Jacob Sorry, to think that he was blessing Esau when in fact he was blessing, passing on the blessing to the younger son, Jacob. And so we have the first identity, identity theft here in history where, where Jacob is stealing the identity of Esau and his aging father is not able to tell the difference because his eyesight is bad. So he is now tricked into believing he's passing the blessings of the family on 
to Esau when in fact it is Jacob. And this is all part of Rebekah's plot because she has a secret agenda. She has an opposing goal that is different than her husband. So let's read the the blessing that Isaac is passing on to Esau. Or he thinks he's passing on this blessing to Esau, but in fact it's Jacob. So let's read the blessing. So in Genesis 27, 29, we read, this is the blessing, quote, May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. So here we have Isaac praying this blessing over who he thinks is the oldest son, Esau, but his wife had another vision, an opposing goal. And so who is blessing instead, who is giving the inheritance of the family to, is the younger son, Jacob. And so it is in modern day marriages, sometimes we have these opposing goals. It's, it's, not, it's not things that are even spoken about. But people are not pulling in the same direction. Amos 3 verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they agree? And it is this tension within marriages that creates this feeling of unhappiness. So even though people might not be fighting, they are not, they are, they are not having any of those dysfunctional things that are happening in other relationships, there is this tension that is causing unhappiness in one or both partners. So here is what the Esau-Jacob dynamic look like in today's society. For example, we agreed we would leave the farm, but it never happened. We planned for our children to go to Christian school, but it never happened. We both agreed on paying off our debt, but each year the debt seems the same or higher. You said we would sell the house of your ex-spouse and move into another home once we got married, but it never happened. And so there might be opposing goals or there might be, there might be what I call here a secret agenda that the person who is not taking the action is not saying, I'm not going to do it, but the end result is the same. And the other spouse is frustrated because their, their, their dreams are not being realized. The things that they thought would happen once they got into the marriage is not happening. And they're in this state of unhappiness. And so this unhappiness haunts the, the marriage. And this will continue until these issues are addressed in some way. So that's the first point, secret agenda or opposing goals. The second of the six points that m- may make you unhappy in a good marriage is if there is triangulation of some kind. So triangulation, as the name suggests, there is a triangle that is formed. And it's not just a husband and wife, but there is a third person or thing that is draining 
energy and attention away from the relationship. So the bond between the husband and the wife is not as strong as it could be. And there is not necessarily anything wrong that is happening. It doesn't have to be an affair. So in good marriages, we're not talking about a triangulation where the person is having an affair. But in these good marriages, triangulation take the form of a mother, the mother of the husband or the mother of the the wife. It can take that form. There are other forms that I will talk about, but that is one form where the in-law is causing a triangulation that is making the other spouse unhappy. And so the unhappiness may stem from the fact that the spouse feels as if they are not as important as the mother-in-law, or that if there is a conflict, the, the, their spouse will side with the person, with the, with the in-law, instead of siding with them. And so the feeling here is that you are not a priority. And this kind of triangulation can cast the shadow of unhappiness over relationship. And, and it will continue year day after day, week after week, year after year, unless it is dealt with. And there are other forms of triangulation. And as I said, in good marriages, the triangulation is not anything that's wrong. A triangulation can take place with a child in the home where the other spouse just have this feeling that their their husband or wife is closer to that child than they are to them. That the needs of the child come before their need. And that the, the time that they're spending with that child child is 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 draining away from the, the time that is needed to bond as a couple and so this can ca- this can cause unhappiness in a marriage because the spouse who is who is experiencing this is again feeling that they are not a priority in the relationship that the child is the priority so in good marriages there is a healthy balance where Both partners are able to love their children in a very healthy way, but at the same time, spend enough time with each other, meet the needs of each other, and the whole family is better off as a result of this. But in triangulation, in in these kinds of relationships, there is unhappiness because the, the child is not being looked after in a healthy way. And and in terms of children, it can be as a result of parenting where one partner steps in and contradicts the other spouse every time that child that they're triangulated with is being corrected because that child becomes like an idol, is like an idol to the spouse who is triangulated with the child. And so they don't like to see that child disciplined. They don't like to see that child corrected. And so it creates this tension in the relationship where despite the fact that it's a good marriage, there is nevertheless unhappiness in the relationship. And so we see an example of of this triangulation in Judges 16, where Delilah was triangulated with the leaders, the rulers of the Philistines, and she gave them 
preference. She was closer to them, I should say, than she was to her husband. Her loyalty was with them, not with her husband. And we know the very sad end of that relationship as a result of triangulation. The third of the six points that make you unhappy in a good marriage is if there is a lack of reciprocity. And by a lack of reciprocity, I mean that there is one partner that is doing all the giving and another partner is getting all the the, the benefits of that relationship. Maybe all the decisions that are made are made by one partner and the other partner is just going along and nothing that they ever suggested is acted on or embraced by the partner that makes all the decision. So what this partner is feeling as a result of this lack of reciprocity is that their needs do not matter. What I feel don't matter. And so partners who are in this kind of relationship end up uh, coming to a place of very a, a place of sadness where they're very unhappy because they they feel as if they are just giving all the time and they are not receiving anything in return Michael will be right back You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic six reasons you are unhappy in a good marriage. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-544-3546 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. Marsha Lineham explained the value of reciprocity in her dialectical behavioral therapy theory. And also, this principle is also highlighted in trauma and recovery and empowerment model developed by a group of women led by Maxine Harris. But we, but because of uh, how things are in many Christian circles, this principle of reciprocity is not embraced. As a matter of fact, the opposite is seen as a sort of value or a sort of virtue, I should say, because of the misunderstanding of the scripture where it asks wives to submit to their husband, where the Apostle Paul uh, asked wife to submit to their husband. This is in Ephesians 6, verse 22 to 26. And so many wives uh, end up in situations where they are giving for the entire marriage and their needs are not being met. And they are preached at and told that they need to submit. They just need to, to keep suffering because this is what the Bible asks for them to submit. But many people who push this view on women is forgetting the other part of that passage where the Apostle Paul says that husbands are 
to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in other words, husbands are to sacrifice themselves for their wives. But in these relationships where there is a lack of reciprocity, we find that it's the wife that is doing all the sacrificing. It's the wife who is laying down her life for the husband and there is nothing that is coming her way. This is a recipe for unhappiness. The fourth reason why people are unhappy in good marriage, good marriages, is that there is a lack of intimacy. And intimacy can also be emotional intimacy, not just sexual. We'll get to the sexual intimacy in a moment. But emotional intimacy is where your partner is very nice, has very good ways, but you just can't seem to get close emotionally. It's like your roommates. It's like there there is nothing deep that you ever talk about. That person never lets you into what's going on in their emotion, and you're just always left in the dark about their true feelings, about their desires, about what they're struggling with. You can't get a window into their soul. So regardless of how good this person is to you in the other areas, that's going to leave you with a feeling of unhappiness. But then sexual intimacy is also important in marriages, and a lack of sexual intimacy can also lead to feelings of unhappiness. In one study that was led by Andre Metzer of Florida State University, Metzer and colleague, they reported in the Journal of Psychological Science that for couples who engage in sexual intimacy, that there is a two-day afterglow that happens after sexual intercourse that, that creates a bond and a togetherness for that couple where they're, they get along a lot better together. They're happier in the marriage for at least two days leading for up to two days after one single act of sex. And so they're saying that this afterglow is needed for a couple to bond and it's related to the bonding hormone oxytocin that is secreted during sexual intercourse. And this hormone is very important for couples to feel bonded together. So for couples who have regular sexual intercourse, there's this feeling of togetherness. There is this happiness that radiates in the relationship even long after the sexual act is is finished. But for couples who do not engage in sexual intimacy, there is a separation and especially where there is a there is a lack of satisfaction because one partner desires sexual intimacy more than the other that lack of satisfaction is often a reason for unhappiness in marriages so it's no wonder that the apostle paul in 1 corinthians 7 verse 5 warns us quote do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement he's speaking to husband and wife and so he says quote do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer but then come again together quickly so that satan may not 
tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so the, that's the fourth point. The fifth point why people are unhappy in good marriages is that they are carrying past emotional wounds. And this can be wounds from a past relationship where they ha- a person has not healed. And so everything that, that the good partner does in the current marriage is a form of trigger. So if he comes home at 5.15 instead of 5, it's a trigger for the unfaithfulness in the past relationship and there is a tension and unhappiness that happens and there are many different triggers that can happen but the, but the, there, there can also be wounds that are carried from childhood as well, such as sexual abuse or physical abuse. And these wounds can make it very difficult to have a healthy relationship and to be happy in a relationship. And the sixth and, and the final point why people are unhappy in good marriages is that they have unhealed attachment injury. An attachment injury is is a wound, an emotional wound to a relationship that happens and causes a breach of trust. And this wound, for it to become an attachment injury, happens at at crucial times in the relationship. So it could be at a time of pregnancy where when the wife was pregnant, she felt that her husband did not treat her as priority and that he just was not there for her. Or it could be at the time of the marriage, the day of the wedding, where she felt that he made the his mother take, took over everything and it was not her day. And so if these issues are not healed, there is this feeling of unhappiness that will continue to cast a shadow over the relationship. In the story of Jacob and Leah, where Jacob was tricked into marrying Leah, that's an attachment injury that Jacob never got over. So we are told in Genesis 29, 31-33, that there was a hatred that existed for for Leah, and he, Leah became the hated wife as a result of that breach of trust. So there's a lot more that I could say about these last two points, but I see that I'm quickly out of time here today. So I'm just going to stress that if you're in a relationship where you can identify with any of these six points, it's important that you get help to deal with these with these issues. Because if you don't, it doesn't matter what your partner partner do for you, you will still be unhappy. If you are new to this show and you're thinking, how can I get a hold of of of, of you for counseling? You can contact us at 613, sorry, you can contact us at Elim Counseling Ministry, Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or at 1-877-544-3546. We also want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization, so we depend on your donations to stay on the air and also to provide subsidized counseling for those who need it but cannot afford it. We also want to let you know that we have over 200 podcasts on our YouTube channel where you can find other topics like this uh, for your listening pleasure. And I just would like to 
comment on the video that we we did about the truth about succubus and incubus demons that we have been getting hundreds of comments online about that video mostly positive video but there are possible mostly positive comments but there are, are a lot of people who strongly believe despite what we are saying that they're being tormented by demons if they have sexual dreams at night and i would like to say that this is not the case sexual dreams are a, a natural part of being a human being and so if you have this dream do not believe the false teachers out there who are trying to convince you that this is demonic attack. The Lord that you serve, if you're a believer, would not give demons that amount of power over you to attack you in your sleep. So if you have a question about that video, that podcast that we did, or this podcast, you need more information on this podcast, please feel free to give us a call again, one 844 3546 or ministry.com. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.